Drummer Dave King is a founding member of Happy Apple and the Bad Plus. The Bad Plus are playing a residency at the Dakota Christmas Week. I caught up with King recently, and we talked about the unusual trajectory of his career. After high school, he spent some time living in both New York and Los Angeles. Ultimately, he decided to return to Minneapolis permanently. This was in the mid-1990s. Our conversation started there with the events that led to the formation of the two highly acclaimed ensembles that he remains active in to this day. I didn't know anyone at that point. My, my friends and the ones I grew up with had already moved to either New York or they were in college somewhere. And then I ended up doing some shows with a great singer, uh, Wendy Lewis, um, who's actually on the Bad Plus. She's the singer on the Bad Plus record, fast forward several years, uh, For All I Care. And then I started playing with her and she was just in- incredible and introduced me to a coterie of incredible musicians, including her nephew, who is a guy named Mike Lewis, who is the guy I formed the band Happy Apple with. And that's really cemented my um, desire to stay because it felt like a band culture, you know? And this is an important part of the story because this bled into the guys that I formed the Bad Plus with, is Minneapolis isn't isn't the leader-centric jazz star city. It's a band city. So in New York, you know, the... Uh, in places like that, a lot of it is the focus is this sort of leader-centric focus. You play the saxophone player's music, and then you play the piano player's music, and you play, and everybody hustles, and you've got your gigs, and you're doing your thing, which is cool, but it didn't have the same energy to me as putting together a band, and you have a sound, and no substitutes, and only these people do it, and everything, you know, and I always, I always think to myself, man, all the jazz that I love, it's all these deep connections, you know, the Coltrane Quartet, or Keith Jarrett Trio, or even though it's a leader, quote-unquote, everyone was vital to the sound of the music, and I just thought that was tough for me to envision happening in New York City on the level. And it's not a put down on New York, it's just the way of the economics of it and the mass amount of incredible musicians. And I thought, well, what if, you know, I met this saxophone player and he's incredible. I mean, he's the highest level. I had had the experience of playing with some great musicians and I kind of felt I knew what it took. And I thought, what if we just keep hitting New York and all these other cities from the outside and be that unknown entity? And so I formed this band Happy Apple with him and we started to gain quite a bit of notoriety and that's what you're referencing in the Minneapolis thing is it became very, very big. As far as a jazz group, it was like, you know, sometimes drawing 500 people to a show and and, and we were playing some avant-garde music. We weren't playing like a jam version of something that was getting over at the time or something. It was like complex and, and interesting music and we were able to develop a really sizable following in a very big music city. going to New York constantly and playing, I was reconnecting with my childhood friends, Reed Anderson and Ethan Iverson. And they were in New York and that's who I formed the bad. And they were watching this go down. Like, man, the bad, uh, Happy Apple keeps rolling in the town and they're a band. And meanwhile, you know, we're doing our thing, but everybody's sort of struggling, you know, through um, 
sort of like keeping a group together. You know what I mean? And and it's a, it's a real issue. It's 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 been an issue in the music forever. It's like, you know, let's say Reed has an incredible quartet, but he has to keep switching drummers because they're getting tours beside people to some leader. And so it's like you can't develop that momentum of a band and people have to make sacrifices to do that, but it's worth it. You know, in the long run, it turns out to be worth it if people really stick with it and you've got an original concept. So when we formed the Bad Plus in, in 2000, it was based on this ethos that had been sort of brought in from Happy Apple. You know, it, it, it's important to mention that because that's really an ethos that the Bad Plus emulated. Reed and Ethan saw the value in that to their credit. And, they, and we felt a connection from each other from growing up and from having the same influences. And so we formed uh, the Bad Plus in 2000, and we played in. You know, we kind of had two hometowns, New York City and 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 Happy Ap and uh, and Minneapolis, and we would go back and forth and hit it, and start touring that way, and started getting wide exposure through the same uh, same lens. To what do you attribute the unparalleled success of the Bad Plus? Because they were a major, I mean, I guess you continue to be a major act, but, but you guys stuck together as a trio in that combination for many, many years. You know, is there a reason that you ascribe to, like, uh, the longevity of that combination? Yeah, I think, number one, I really, uh, I think if we contributed anything, I mean, it made a very big splash right away. We felt a deep, when we first started playing together in 2000, it was, you know, we were, it was uh, nobody's. Um, we were just struggling cats in New York. You know, we were doing the DIY thing, just like anyone would. And I think that we had a, a very unique approach to the piano trio. You take an iconic lineup uh, concept in jazz history, like the piano trio. You know, you get, you've got Oscar Peterson, you've got Ahmad Jamal, you've got all these very famous, you know, um, constructs based around it. Bill Evans, into Keith Jarrett, you could name a million, you know. Imagine almost like an archetype for us because it was very song oriented. And one of the things that Bad Plus uh, we did, I think that was different was we, we had a very modern interpretation of the piano trio. You know, uh, number one, doing um, like having mostly original music always, but the, the, the music we would do of others, which is very, of course, a standard idea in jazz to play somebody else's, you know, standards or whatever. We substituted that with music that was more from the generation of ours. So it, we'd do an Aphex Twin tune in a piano trio. These things, these things were not being done. People were always working with rock music here and there, Brad Meldow doing Radiohead, but the the way that we did it, I think, was unique. We, we would definitely not focus on the idea, we're going to turn this into a jazz tune. So we're going to throw some Bill Evans-style harmony on it. We're going to play swing rhythms. We're going to do these things. We didn't use the same devices. We used more personal devices. We would, we would use harmonic concepts that would challenge the nature of things. We would use dynamics, very importantly. Extreme dynamics, I should say, because of course people play dynamically, but the Bad Plus, I think the one thing that I attribute our thing to is we pushed the piano trio into a realm it hadn't quite gone. Which is the repertoire was all over the place because we are three composers. You have three type A <laughs> leader personalities forming a band. And then you have three people with the same influences of the, their Desert Island albums. 
and you have a deep history of growing up together and you have that so you have that trust of like oh this is what guy was my friend long before he was my bandmate i don't need to argue with him all the time about my space in the world you know which bands are so sensitive and people fight and they do their thing we didn't have any of that we were just like yeah this is how we sound we're going to we accepted that we were going to come at it in a way that was very different and there was no we just were aligned very beautifully in that time and and it just went it was like someone broke through a a, a piano trio code of some kind and 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 and, and some people can attribute it cynically to oh yeah we we played a nirvana tune people were playing pop music and doing whatever it's the way we did original music our original music has always been the most thing that people you know hear at shows and do these things and it's always retained that for 20 20 some years i mean we've been making all original albums now for many years but when we would do cover music it wouldn't just be you know stomp it off wichita and we're gonna swing it out it was much more oh here's an apex twin tune done by a piano upright bass and drums here's a pixies tune more often than not those things were, were done in a very avant-garde way you know, who was who thinking about doing the, the, the theme to Chariots of Fire as an avant-garde piece? You know, we did that. It didn't happen, you know, <laughs> anyplace else. I'm not saying it like we did that, like that's the magnum opus of all art and I'm bragging. I'm saying that that's one thing that would be considered, oh, that's different. You know what I mean? That's source material that's not cynical. We're actually looking at that as a, like, oh, let's think about that like it's an Albert Eiler tune or something. Like it's triumphant. Like, I think that lack of cynicism probably came through because I, re I remember I've been at jazz radio for a long time and there was a lot of uh, noise in the press about a Herbie Hancock project called The New Standard, which I saw and, you know, I liked for some of the people involved, but I didn't think was very effective as a concept. It seemed like a novelty, you know, like as great as Herbie Hancock was, is, you know, this is not what someone's going to remember Herbie Hancock for, whereas... With the bad plus, um, this is something that you guys seem to have done for a long time, and you're coming at it from a standpoint of loving the music that you're playing sincerely, and you know, not like, oh, I'm going to try something novel for this one album and then leave it. But but this is an inherent part of your concept. Yeah, very so, very. That's a very astute look at it. I have to point out that's nice of you to to have thought of it that way because that's exactly what it was. It was, it was a part of our oeuvre. It wasn't a hook. We did that for years, a couple of years before anybody knew who we were. It didn't, it didn't push us over the edge, let's just say. You know, it was the whole concept of combining it with all this original music, stressing extreme dynamics, um, doing a DIY approach, no substitutes. It's a, it's a huge alchemy of events coming together that made it pop up and stick together for 18 years. Yeah, speaking of which, like Ethan must have been a pretty hard act to follow, and you, you got Oren Evans in the band, and he's fantastic. Um, and then after a few years, you've, you know, you kind of decided to leave the piano trio behind. And can you talk about the decision to kind of reinvent the group in a format with um, guitar and bass and drums and tenor sax, and, and what led you to that decision? I. I I will say that, yeah, the, the, the couple records we did with Oren are two of my favorite albums and uh, had an incredible time with him. And during, the, but we were unfortunately uh, entered the pandemic together. And uh, during that time, 
of not working and talking to each other all the time. If, if we're thinking about plans when we came out, and it's important to point out that Oren had, as you probably know, being in jazz radio forever, has had many, many projects as a leader, and he's a potent uh, leader himself. And the commitment that the Bad Plus takes um, is real. It's like it's it's like we do other things, but we don't put those things first. And I think the pressure on Oren to get out of the pandemic and to sort of you know, we're, we're going to hard charge it. We were talking about expanding at that point to a quartet for a record or something, like have a guest like we did with Joshua Redman years before. Every now and again, we've done that. We've done stuff with Bill Frizzell, Kurt Rosewinkle, people like that over the years. So it was like it be- laid, led to these discussions of just like what's what's possible with the commitment at that point. And Oren, you know, put forth that he was feeling, you know, a little bit like uh, his, his, his stuff outside the Bad Plus was taking a backseat. Totally understandable. And we, and, you know, we're obviously still great friends, and and um, those years were amazing with him. I think the fact that we even did that and people accepted it uh, so strongly, and so it it proved our concept of the not only that there is no leader, so the piano didn't lead the band. Secondly, the bass player and the drummer of the band, if you look at it, are the guys who wrote most of the original music by numbers and most of the concept of some of the cover tunes from the artwork to everything was really generated from the, from that seat, from the drums or the bass. So when it came time to, you know, Oren considering going, we had done this, wow, we had flipped it with a new pianist and we were really, people really accepting it. Really, we were feeling so strong musically about those two albums. Um, what should we do? And immediately Reed and I were like, well, this is our band. We started this band we have we've been the stewards of this band and it's like why should we give up the trajectory of something we care about which is our partnership as leaders of this band you know and that's when we thought why not just break it wide open when we come out of the pandemic we're going to have a whole new thing that's called the bad plus almost like the attitude of the bad plus is what we say it is And then we thought, well, what if we get two of our great friends or people that we keep that family atmosphere where it's like, see, it wasn't like open auditions. We had a short list of people we wanted to talk to. And immediately Chris and Ben were, you know, top of the list and they immediately said yes. And so it had the familiar atmosphere of the people and then also them as musicians, as conceptual musicians, I think they're considered at the top of the game of the sort of like, they don't sound like anybody but themselves. And that's, a, you know, I mean, those are very peculiar, idiosyncratic uh, heavyweights, in my opinion, Ben Monder and, and Chris Speed. I think that most musicians in, in, in the music consider them that as well. And for us, that was, is like, such an important part of being in this band. This band has always been this sort of like stuck together, everybody stay in your lane and be original, <laughs> or at least try. <laughs> try and say something unique, you know, and and we'll just stick it together. It's like a little art project. And that's what we did. And and and, and so we started working on it near, you know, at the in uh summer of uh 2021. 
and we carving it out and we recorded it in the fall of 2021 and have been on the road since and developing uh, the sound and gluing the band, you know, like really trying to blend it. And that's basically how it happened out of the pandemic. And we just, the idea of guitar and saxophone was based on the idea of expanding our ability to push dynamics, push texture and tone, everything. It was like, wow, we can, we've, pl we've played with both guitar players and saxophone players. Let's do it without a piano now. Is there anything else that you want to say um, in front of the uh, gig coming up, or the gigs, I should say, coming up at the Dakota Christmas week? Yeah, I mean, obviously it goes without saying we appreciate our year-end residency at, at the Dakota. It's something we look forward to. I think it'll literally be the 23rd year this year. So we'll just thank you to the people of the Twin Cities for investing in their time to come see us every year. And the people that do, we always hear about the histories of people coming for years and years and years. We look forward to it all year round so uh, all year long so thank you to anybody who attends and thank you to Dakota and thank you